welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt and taxes and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, with the love of fantasy books and funk, and the hatred of running more than three miles, Dave Denniston. Well, we would like to thank our sponsor, Empath IQ. Empath IQ provides healthcare reputation management for individuals, providers, practices, and medical facilities. Boost positive reviews, respond to negative feedback, and take control of your online presence. Go to www.empathiq.io or call 858. 858- 375-5686 and mention financial freedom to receive two months for free. Again, that's Empath IQ, E-M-P-A-T-H-I-Q dot I-O. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I am delighted to have you back with me as we start this kind of um, several-part series of kind of some basic finance 101, the the kind of things that I learned in uh, business school, in in my finance classes specifically, that I think might give you some some depth, might get you familiar with terminologies, get you familiar with some of the terms that are commonly used in the business world. Some of you, you probably know this stuff. Some of you, you are beyond this. Some of you, this will probably be incredibly helpful to help you talk the talk and and walk the walk as you talk about finance, finance with your colleagues. And so the question for today that I want to cover is what is IRR? What is IRR? IRR, That acronym stands for a simple concept called the internal rate of return. So internal rate of return, IRR. So what is it? The internal rate of return, it's a metric that we use in finance to help understand and estimate what has been the profitability or what could be the profitability of investments. So what we do is we use calculators most often to figure out, hey, if this investment pays me money on a monthly basis, often in the form of cash flows, what would my rate of return be assuming that maybe I can even also, on top of getting cash flows, sell it for a higher dollar amount on the future. And it uses this concept of net present value, NPV, as we calculate what that should be. We often call it 
discounting. Um, IRR is used in a few different ways. Certainly, we can use them with paper securities. We can use them with real estate. We can use it with understanding budgeting capital, you know, where, where you have a constrained amount and, and you're trying to figure out where is the best place in comparing one thing versus another to figure out where's the best place to put my money. And so um, you can compare multiple types, multiple projects, all of those kinds of things with IRR as well. I'll talk about the formula a little bit later, um, but basically there, there's several methods that you can use to identify an expected return. And a lot of us in finance love IRR um, because we are using compounding, compounding. Now we know that, that um, in, in the real world, you have fluctuating cash flows. So let's use something like a, a piece of real estate. So in, in year one, you might have no cash flows. In year two, you might have um, $10,000. In year three, you might have $5,000. In year four, you might have $30,000. And so IRR gets to be uh, more difficult to calculate, usually what you do um, with IRR, most people on a calculator will go and um, use, use a, a singular kind of cash flow. So, you know, you'll get 10,000 flat a year, every single year, um, which you can calculate that for sure. Um, and IRR becomes a very simple model, something you can do on a calculator. Uh, when you have these fluctuating cash flows, then um, IRR can be great to come in and help you analyze that. Um, you're not just doing present value and future value, you're doing fluctuations. Um, so the, the common ways that um, we, we utilize it might be um, for example, you know, you, you have an initial investment of 250000 In year one, you get 100000 Year two, 150000 Year three, 200000 Year four, 250000 Year five, 300000 What What is your average annual rate of return? Well, when you punch that into a calculator, like in Excel, great way to do it, you end up getting like an IRR in this case of 56.72%. Well, how does that compare to an investment where you know maybe you're getting less cash flows up front, twenty thousand in the first year, a hundred thousand in the second year, you know four hundred thousand in the third year, and so on. You can get a different internal rate of return based on a different set of cash flows, and so you would compare. Hey, this one has a fifty-six percent internal rate of return. This other one has a ninety percent internal rate of return. Well, obviously the ninety percent would make more sense. Some of the weaknesses, really, a lot of this, when you're projecting in the future, is you're making all these assumptions. So if your assumptions are wrong, then you're going you're gonna to get numbers that obviously are much different than reality. 
And so really um, what, what folks should do is have kind of like a worst case scenario, a medium case scenario, and a, a best case scenario. And so when you're looking at IRRs, even within a project, you want to compare one versus another versus another, you know, look at kind of best case and worst case scenarios. You don't want to get rose colored glasses when, um, when we do it. So we often hear this phrase return on investment. Um, what is the difference between IRR and ROI, return on investment? And some people even, even use the terms interchangeably. You may hear some people calling IRR return on investment. Well, it's actually different from uh, the way people use that phrase. When people talk about ROI, they're talking about the percentage return generated from an investment across a stretch of time. It doesn't cover some of the nuances of IRR. IRR is mathematically precise. It's taking compounding into account. ROI, uh, you might be looking at a 200% a ROI over five years. And so if you divide that over five, right, you get a 40% rate of return. But when you get IRR, it's often a lower number. So uh, if you get like a, because you're compounding, right? Um, let's just take a simple example. And now let's take a moment for a quick commercial break. Individual physicians and practices use Empath IQ to tie their online reviews to their Google My Business page. We have made leaving a positive review a one-step process for your patients. It couldn't be any easier to manage your online reputation. Go to www.empathiq.io empathiq.io or call 858-375-5686 and mention financial freedom to receive two months free. And now back to the show. If I have a hundred dollars now and I'm, let's say uh, my investment will be $120 by the end of four years, right? 120 minus 100, well, I've gotten $20 back on my $100 investment, right? So 20 divided by 100 is 20%. I've gotten a 20% rate of return. If you divide that by those four years, you'd say, oh, I've gotten a 5% ROI on my money, which mathematically is true, but it's not taking into consideration compounding. So if we take a, a um, IRR calculator, for example, and we'll do $100, we'll do 20, we'll do it over four years, we get an IRR of 
So you see how, how the compounding IRR return is lower by a little bit. And obviously the bigger return, the more that's going to be magnified. And that's just a very simple example. And again, this, this can be very nuanced by having cash flows rather than just kind of a flat rate of return of what I look like, what it looks like. So why is that, that IRR lower when you look at compounding versus just kind of a total ROI? Well, let, let's think about this. So if you have $100 and we multiply that times 1.0466, that'll give us the end um, assumption of year one, which gives us $104.66. Well, now if we multiply that times 1.0466, at the end of year two, that gives us 109. Multiply it again times 1.0466, that gives us 114.64. Do it again, and that gives us 120. And so um, I did one plus your, your um, IRR to get to each of these numbers and I'm compounding every year. So it's not just a simple, Hey, you ended up with five, you ended up with five, you ended up with five, you ended up with five. You're earning that rate of return, not just on your initial investment, but at the end of year one, now you have a higher amount. So now it's compounding again. So rather than just earning money on a hundred dollars, well, now you're earning money on $104 and 46 cents or $104 and 66 cents. And now, you're earning another 4.66 rate of return on that $104. And now you have 109 and now you're, you're multiplying it again and again and that compounds and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So IRR takes into consideration what you are doing on an annual basis. Now, what is a good IRR? Well, it depends my friends on how good or bad uh, will depend on the cost of capital or the opportunity cost. For example, you may want to have a piece of real estate and you might want to pursue one with a 25% RRR, IRR versus something that has lower than a 20%. But our assumption is that the risk, the effort, the time, in making something with a 25% IRR is roughly the same. What if an investor can obtain a lower IRR from a project that takes less time and less risk? You might want to have that lower IRR project. And so that's why I was saying earlier, as we compare, you have to look at best case and worst case scenarios. What if that investment, um, you could lose all, let's say you bought a, a commercial building and um, you have 10 tenants versus buying a, a rental house where you have one tenant. Well, the rental house, you are completely dependent on that one tenant. There's a higher risk. Whereas the commercial building where you have 10 tenants, now you have 10 people paying you with one building. Maybe your IRR is lower, but it's less risk than the one that gives you a higher IRR. And so these are some of the, the comparisons that we make. 
And for me, you know, just to, to bring this to, to a personal level, when I look at um, the land stuff that I'm doing versus, let's say, investing in rental houses, land is more risky. Um, it, some people would, would certainly argue because there's not as much intrinsic value. However, for me, when I looked at the amount of capital that it took, you know, I could buy a piece of land for $1,000 or $2,000 or $3,000. That's a lot less capital to risk than having to pour twenty dollars or $30,000 or $40,000 or more into a house. And on top of that, my projected IRR is um, extremely high on the land. You know, if I flip it for just a, a ROI of 100%, Let's say that um, over a few years, so let's say I invested something that's a thousand dollars and I'm expecting to get back two thousand dollars over four years. My IRR is 19 percent on that investment. Whereas if I put twenty thousand dollars into a house and I expect to get thirty thousand out of that in the same time frame, my IRR is 10.67% in that case. So not only am I having to put more of an investment into it, but my projected rate of return is so much lower. Certainly there, there's more risk with um, doing the, uh, the land in that um, there's not necessarily as many people interested in it. So we have to weigh these risks out, weigh out the, the internal rate of return. Um, maybe some of us don't have the time to do some of the land stuff. Whereas the house, you know, you set up a property manager, um, there's all kinds of systems in place and you don't really have to think about it. You're okay with taking the lower IRR because you don't have the time with which to, to sell the land stuff and the time that the land takes. Um, so we have to just, just weigh these things out. What is the capital you have to put in? What's the time you have to put in? What's the risk you're taking in all of these things? So a lot of different things to consider when we look at rate of return. Um, certainly um, IRR is a great way to have a tool to measure it. But I just wanna emphasize again, make sure to not get rose-colored glasses on. Look, when you're looking at an investment, you gotta really understand pros and cons, understand worst case scenarios, understand best case scenarios, and, and calculate the IRR and think about some of those intangibles in terms of, of how you're going to be using it. So that, my friends, is IRR. I highly recommend something like Investopedia in order to um, calculate it. You know, there's a, if you just do a Google search for IRR calculators, um, there's ones that are simple, like the kind of investment I was going over. There's another ones with cash flows. Um, the website I went to was the calculatorsite.com slash finance slash calculators slash IRR dash calculator.php. So great one that has simple IRR, great one that has IRR from cash flows. And um, that'll help you better understand this. Play with it a little bit. Um, get, get on that website or another one like it 
to better understand the internal rate of return and compare and, and make sure to use multiple scenarios that we were talking about. All right, my friends. Well, that wraps up the episode for today. I hope you, you learned something new here. I, I hope you gained some insight, um, some thoughts to help you as you are trying to decide investments and, and where to place your money. There's a lot going on out there. If you have questions, I would certainly welcome them. Email me, dave at drfreedompodcast.com. Again, dave at drfreedompodcast.com. Thank you again so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.